60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Now, well over 80 stations strong, and we're getting pretty close to signing up number 100, and we'll let you know when that happens. But Saving Thousands is all about you, your daily finances, and Robert Palmer is the financial advisor that you've been waiting for from your personal finance to those pesky credit cards and interest rates to debt management, home ownership, and beyond. It's all up to you, and if you have a question for Robert Palmer or there's something that you're unsure of, in your finances or the economy, go ahead and go to savingthousands.com. That's savingthousands.com. And you'll see a tab that says Ask RP. That's right, Ask RP. And when you go to that, you can simply ask Robert a question or say, hey, on the show coming up, could you talk about whatever it might be? Student loans, maybe, or reducing your credit or reducing your house payments. Whatever it is, let us know what you want to hear about. On today's show, we've got a lot of great advice for you. The Saving Thousands team is researching credit card offers for you. The student loan problem is actually getting worse. Robert Palmer is opening the door to yet maybe another endeavor, another company. And we take a look at the Saving Thousands rules to success. These rules have been designed by Robert and our research team to help you, to help you through everyday expenses, everyday finances, and kind of give you like you have a GPS right in your car to get you where you need to be on time. Well, the Saving Thousands rules to success are kind of the guidelines or the GPS for your finances. All right, we're also going to take a look at the importance of a validated pre-approval, a strong approval, when it goes to your home shopping and your mortgage, okay? We'll talk about all those things and more, but right now, Robert, SavingThousands.com is all about our everyday finances. We love that website, but what's the team working on right now? So the other cool thing uh, we've got going on, Rob, is so I've got the uh, I've got the team over at RP Digital doing some research for me. So I want to find out. I, I talk a lot about credit cards yeah, and sure. investments, and then a lot of people text and ask do they want details. And so we're actually compiling all this data. And so I have the team over at RP Digital calling every local bank, every local credit union, every big bank, oh, wow. and and we're getting the information I need to do an analysis. And then I'm going to go online to SavingThousands.com and I'm going to post. Uh, some some kind of tutorials or post some best ofs, right? So what's the best credit card if you're 18 and about to go to college? What's the best credit Neat. card if you're newlyweds? What's the best credit card uh, for someone with bad credit? What's the best secured credit card out there? You know, what what's the best way to consolidate student loans? We're going to do all this research and put this out there at Saving Thousands to make it easier for people to shop around. I, I'm going to do the legwork for you, right? So we're going to call. And, and one of the key things that I'm focusing on that a lot of these online shopping portals do not is what is the grace period, right? Because we talked about as financial ninjas how we can take advantage of the credit card companies if we time our purchases correctly. Because you've got the 30 days of the billing cycle that have to roll by, which are interest-free, and then you've got a grace period, which can be 20 days, 25 days, 28 days, whatever, whatever, 30 days in some cases uh, that, that roll by. And so you've got up to 60 days that you don't pay any interest on their money. Now, that's a win. You know, that, that's that's something we can use to our advantage as financial ninjas. And so we are calling to find out what the grace periods are. Because one of the things I want to make our listeners aware of are what cards have the longest grace periods. Mm -hmm. You know, because if we're going to really take advantage of this, if we're going to really use their money for free and not pay anything, we need the longest grace period possible. So one of the things I'm really less concerned with in most cases is the annual percentage rate, the APR. Because if we're doing things correctly— if we're acting like financial ninjas, we're never going to pay interest anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah. right? I could I could take a credit card with a 35% interest rate because as long as I always pay it off by the grace period, I pay zero. Right? Now, uh, there are other people who have to carry balances. Right? They find themselves in a situation where they have spent in the past and they have existing credit card balances. So for them, APR becomes very important. And so, again, this is where on the website I want to have the comparison so I can show if you are if you're great and you don't have any credit card debt, then you don't really care about the APR because you're going to keep it paid off. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who does have credit card debt and you're trying to get out of it, now you need the lowest APR as possible, the lowest annual percentage rates possible, because by reducing that interest, you can pay it off faster. So we're going to compile all this information 
And uh, I've got the gang over there making the phone calls and getting it all together. And then we're going to sit down and I'm going to go through that data and I'm going to personally review every card. You know, look at the annual fees, look at the APRs, look at the grace periods, uh-huh. look at the perks. And then I'm going to make my personal recommendations on what I think the best cards are. And we're going to publish those on SavingThousands.com, which is my way to help you help you with rule number one, which is shop around, right? And then also this helps with, uh, you got the rules in front of you, Rob. Helps with rule number two. You yeah. know your numbers, yeah, I, what you're paying. I'm thinking our whole, you know, don't don't be afraid of credit, but don't abuse don't credit abuse, either. That's right. You know, so again, there's there's people out there who are just afraid of credit. Well, I paid cash for everything. I don't want to have any credit cards. I don't want to have any credit. Let me tell you, you are lo- you're leaving opportunities on the table mm-hmm. to improve your financial decision. Because when you can use someone else's money for as long as 60 days without paying interest, right, you can earn interest on your money during that 60 days. You know, I talked about the example, uh, you know, of when I, I bought my uh, my fiance's engagement ring, you know, and, and right. the, the jewelry store had the, the I think it was like 12 or eight, 12 months of no interest. Well, you know, that was money I could then invest in the market and earn interest on. While I'm not paying them interest because it's interest-free, why would you not take advantage of a situation like that? If you can go buy a new vehicle and say you're going to pay cash for it and it's a, a $60,000 truck. And, and let me tell you, Rob, that cars are not as cheap as they used to no, be. No, no, you know, no. So you go out there and you're looking at a fifty-five dollars or a $60,000 sport utility vehicle. If you have the cash for it, but the, but the manufacturer is offering 0% financing... We'll stick your cash somewhere else, even if it's in a CD that's only paying a half percent or one percent. I mean, there's better ways to make money uh, in the market. But even if that's all you were able to get, that's still money you didn't have. And it's money you're not paying because they're interest free. So as financial ninjas, we have to be ready to take advantage of credit to use it for our benefit. Now, you have to be disciplined. You know, you can't. You have to understand that that having this credit, you know, when I put out this list of the best credit cards, that doesn't mean go sign up for all of them and buy yourself a new big screen TV and brand new couches and, you know, six new vehicles and jet skis and everything else. It means be responsible with your spending, but be prepared to take advantage of places you can make money by using credit to your benefit instead of to the creditor's benefit. And and this is this is what the whole thing's all about. And, and so as we really try to build the resources on SavingThousands.com, you know, I've got, got this staff now that, that's going to be writing articles and doing research and getting more information out there. Uh, a lot of this is going to be in my book when it comes out later this year. Good. Uh, you know, so there's just a lot of exciting stuff going on. And it all comes down to us making a decision to educate ourselves as consumers. Hey, Robert, I wanted everybody to know that there's yet another way to become empowered. And that's the information and the radio shows that they can get through their Saving Thousands radio app. That's right, folks. Saving Thousands radio app for your smartphone. This is so cool. You know how they've always said there's an app for that? Well, now there's an app on your smartphone for you to connect with us and listen to archived shows. So if we're not on the air, wherever you are at any specific time, you can simply get on your smartphone and go to our Saving Thousands radio app. Simply go to your Play Store, download that, and you've got it made. There we are. So now there's so many ways. There's our radio show. There's our iHeart channel. That's the Robert Palmer channel on iHeart. That's what you search out. There's the Saving Thousands app, and there's SavingThousands.com. Through all of those portals, you will become more empowered each and every day. There's no doubt about that. You know, Robert is always being a student of finance, a student of the economy. And it was about seven, maybe six or seven years ago when the housing crunch had everybody in a scramble, right? The Robert and I were doing a radio show and he talked about what went into the fall. How come housing crashed? Well, we talked about that. And then he said something when we came out of commercials, he looked at me and he said, Rob, do you know what the next thing in the economy is going to be? Do you know what the next bubble is going to be? What is next to crash? Now consider this folks, we're talking five or six years ago. And I said, well, what, what is it? And he said, it's going to be these college loans that kids are getting and the proliferation of new schools that are coming on that specialize in different vocations that are offering these student loans. And well, in addition to maybe a laptop computer or something like that to entice the people to sign up. Well, Robert, you hit it square on the nose. Yeah, this uh, this student loan thing this is, is crazy. Just, uh, so we let me. I, I still give you a little background, but uh, what what excited me is the Department of Education uh, came out with what hopefully will be some uh, some relief. Uh, it's been coming. Uh, we're going to talk about what I think kind of created the student loan bubble because it, it, the way I look at it, it's an almost exact replica of the uh, of the mortgage bubble, and and it looks like some of the uh, same defenses that people were able to use who 
had problems with their mortgages may come into line with student loans. So before we get into this possible relief, which could mean some people's student loans actually being wiped away, oh. uh, which would be pretty awesome, right, Rob? I mean, that would be major. again, depending on the circumstances, and that's what we're going to talk about. So first, let me let me kind of run through the parallels of of student loans and subprime mortgages, right? So everybody's aware of the <laughs> the the disaster created by subprime mortgages and the housing crisis and everything else. And uh, what I will tell you is uh, I know from from experience from people I personally knew who were in the mortgage business, a lot of folks who used to sell subprime mortgages uh, made the transition to for-profit colleges selling people student loans. Uh, after the uh, financial meltdown happened and they couldn't make the fast money in the mortgage business anymore. And so you had a lot of these same despicable tactics that were being used in the mortgage industry back in the heyday and the subprime days that were trapping borrowers in toxic mortgages. All those folks took those honed skills of deception and went over to work for for-profit colleges. Mm -hmm. And one of these big for-profit colleges, Corinthian, uh, you know, blew up uh, earlier this year. Right, Rob, did you hear about this? Yeah, I did. And I so, can remember, Robert, if you want to go back six years, you did an entire hour program on the early network days when we were together on the fact that a lot of these so-called colleges would bait and switch you by saying, we're going to give you a brand new computer. We're going to get you a laptop that's unbelievable. And all you have to do is sign up for this college. But the college yeah, wasn't much. Absolutely. It, it, it was crazy. You know, when I talked about this and apparently no one listened, you know, no one at the Department of Education listened to me six years ago when I was ranting and raving on the radio about how this was going to be the next bubble. And I could see that the same practices that had been used in mortgages were now being used in student loans and, and, and the writing was on the wall. And so Corinthian, uh, you know, which owned Everest and a bunch of other colleges, uh, you know, they they got popped because they were falsifying their placement uh, numbers. You know, what percentage of people were landing jobs? Uh, in one particular example, there was a graduate who went to work at Taco Bell, and they counted that as a successfully placed job tied to the student's training. Uh, you know, I mean, th this is this is the type of stuff that was discovered. And, and so what happened is because the Department of Education uh, did not listen to me six years ago, uh, Corinthian gave out $3.5 billion worth of student loans over the last five years. Billion. Okay. Billion, $3.5 billion. So you have a for-profit college who was lying about placement rates and lying about the benefits of going to their school, using all of these old subprime mortgage techniques, you know, all these guys who honed their skills, taking advantage of people with toxic mortgages, all went to work selling now student loans at for-profit colleges, and they racked up $3.5 billion, Okay. Now, let me tell you, there is no house to foreclose on, uh, and most of these people ended up with not much of an education, uh, according to reports now coming out. Uh, so that $3.5 billion bucks is, is pretty much wasted, and it all went into Corinthians' pockets so they could get rich. You know, one of the things I pointed out uh, when I, I talked about this years ago, Rob, is that the president of a, a for-profit college was making like 10 times the salary of the president of Harvard. Right. Because they're, they're just they were making that much money. They were taking such advantage of students. So here's what's going on now. And I think this is intriguing. And so I'm actually going to assemble all of my attorneys and we're going to have a conversation about this. So apparently there is a phrase, there is a clause in the promissory note of a student loan. And, and I don't have one of these. I would like to get my hands on one. Uh, if any of our listeners maybe have a student loan promissory note that they wouldn't mind sending to me, you can cross out personal information or whatever. But what I'm looking for uh, is, according to some research I did, there is a, a phrase that says, uh, in some cases, you may assert as a defense against collection of your loan that the school did something wrong. Now, that doesn't seem like it's in quotes where I found it in the article, but that doesn't sound like normal legalese to me. So I'm guessing that's not exactly what it says uh, on the, the note, the, the promissory note. But the idea here is that if your school broke the law, if your school committed fraud, if your school deceived you, you may be able to sue and have your student loan discharged. Okay, Rob. So what the what brought this to light is that the the Department of Education has come out and they've identified around forty thousand people who they feel uh, fit this criteria, who mm. were Corinthian students, and they're going to get five hundred forty four million dollars worth of student loans forgiven to this group. Now, remember, Corinthian had a total of three point five billion. So the, the initial 40,000, I think, is the kind of final round of students, the most recent round of students. 
but there's a lot of pressure right now on the uh, Department of Education to do something for everyone. Now, the downside of this is, Rob, where's that three and a half billion dollars going to come from? It's going to come from the taxpayer. You bet. You know, so because the uh, you know Department of Education screwed up and didn't monitor these guys and let them rack up three and a half billion dollars worth of federally insured student loans, uh, that one are now defaulting like crazy. And two, now have this potential clause that the students can fight back and possibly have the student loans discharged. Uh, that's going to be a three and a half billion dollar problem for the taxpayers. So, uh, I, but I think I think uh, better on the taxpayers than on these individual students, right? I mean, right. you know, we, we spread it across the entire country. We all take a little pain because our government screwed up on this one. Uh, it's better than the the students right now whose lives, you know, are potentially in shambles because of these toxic student loans they receive from these toxic for-profit colleges. Uh, without getting good education. Now, I'm sure there may be some good for-profit colleges out there. I'm not talking about the whole group, but I'm talking about the players like this particular one who are lying about placement rates and lying about job success rates. And so I'm going to assemble my team of attorneys. Uh, and, and on my own dime here, Rob, I am going to figure out uh, if there's if there's some other kind of relief here. You know, Do we have to sit back and wait for the Department of Education to do something about this? Or can students band together with the help of some great attorneys, and I know some great attorneys, uh, and go ahead and fight back now using this supposed clause that's in the promissory note, uh, which, again, if someone has one, I would love for you to send it to me at askrp at rpfunding.com. I would love to take a look at that uh, so when I meet with the attorneys, uh, we can figure this out. But this, this is my this is, this is is a new mission for me, Rob. You know, this is uh, a lot of people are negatively affected by this. I talked about this on my TV show years ago. I talked about this on the radio show years ago. It fell on deaf ears. $3.5 billion in loans with a college who has been closed down for fraud and deceptive practices. I would think all of those people should be able to get their loans discharged. You know, and what about all the people who made the payments, right? I mean, they, yeah. are they, they're they not entitled to any relief, I don't think. I mean, just because you discharge the debt doesn't mean you can go back and get your money back. Uh, bottom line is this is a huge problem. When you look at uh, economic graphs that show the the increase in student loan debt, the spike it came in student loan debt, it almost perfectly mirrors the type of percentage increases we saw in mortgage leading up to the crash, leading up to the bubble. Hmm. And again, the same deceptive practices being used, Rob, uh, you know, the, the same types of, of sales techniques that one of the, one of the studies they did on a for-profit college, you know, quoted that they were using a, a sales technique called the pain cycle. Uh, you know, I mean, just all, all of these different things they built uh, to basically scare people or, or, or fear people into signing up for these student loans and, and, and getting these for-profit educations, which they didn't really care if you graduated or not. They were going to falsify the placement and success rate records and, and go on with life and keep milking this federal student loan. Because the, the crazy thing is, even if someone dropped out after, there, there's a time limit. It's not very long. Something like 10 weeks or 12 weeks, as long as you attend a certain amount of time. Uh, they get all the money, whether you continue the degree program or not. So uh, this this has been a big problem. I've had a lot of listeners reach out to me about this. Uh, if you've got comments you want to share, the text line is 35353. Uh, and, uh, or again, if someone has that, that student loan note, I want to take a look at it. I'm going to meet with my attorneys. I'm going to see if we can't put together uh, a guide or uh, some help or some kind of document or roadmap uh, to help people who may be affected by this fight back uh, to where if you have a student loan, uh, with a college who broke state law, who committed fraud, who falsified records, which, I mean, from the from the research I did years ago, it looks like it's going to be a lot of them. Uh, you know, the other, the other interesting thing, Rob, is there, there's some other language in here which very much reminds me of mortgage, uh, and that is there's questions about whether or not your signature may have been forged on a promissory note. Uh, you know, that's one of the big foreclosure defense uh, techniques that company, you know, that, that lawyers use when it comes to mortgages. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out and, and how this happens. But we're going to be at the front lines of this. We're going to make sure our listeners are aware of this because I'm sure a lot of them are affected. And uh, right here, I, I pulled this off of the, uh, the, the student aid or one of the federal government websites for student loans. And it says that you may be eligible for a discharge of your direct loan or FFEL program, fell program loan in these circumstances, your school falsely certified your eligibility to receive the loan based on your ability to benefit from its training, right? So the idea here is that if they lied about placement rates and if they lied about the earnings potential you would have after receiving the degree, because these are required for calculating eligibility for these loans, if they falsely certified your eligibility because they falsified those placement rates and those job rates and those potential incomes, 
then you may be able to, uh, and because of that, you would not have been able to get the student loan, right? You know, if at the end of the day they told the truth and said, well, nobody actually graduates and nobody gets a better job, uh, you would have been ineligible for the student loan. And so that's one clause you can use uh, in order to uh, possibly get your loan discharged. Uh, another is that the school signed your name on the application or promissory note without your authorization, or the school endorsed your loan check or signed your authorization for electronic funds transfer without your knowledge, unless the proceeds of the loan were delivered to you or applied to charges owed based uh, charges owed to, by you to the school. So the big one here is if they if they forged your signature on the application or the promissory note. I I will almost guarantee you there's some of that going on. Because uh, you know, forging signatures on applications was rampant in the mortgage business, uh, and a lot of these same same players went over to student loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's definitely something when I, I talk to the attorneys, we're gonna take a look at it and see. And then uh, the other is that your loan was falsely certified because you were a victim of identity theft. That's probably not gonna apply to a lot of people. Uh, and then the school certified your eligibility, but because of physical or mental condition, age, criminal record, or other reason, you were disqualified from employment in the occupation in which you were being trained. So th- this probably applies to some people. You know, the, oh. the, the, these these for-profit colleges uh, were using no discretion. Uh, and so if the particular field that you were being trained in has a requirement uh, regarding criminal record, requiring physical or mental condition, requiring age, and you didn't meet that, uh, then again, this may be a way for you to challenge that student loan and get it discharged. Uh, so right now, yeah. the only way to do this is to get an attorney and actually sue. Uh, but they're the the Department of Education is trying to change that. They're trying to put together a streamlined program because so many people have been affected. They recognize that they dropped the ball on this. They recognize that a lot of people uh, have been taken advantage of and have been harmed by some by certain for profit colleges. And uh, and now it's time to clean up the mess. And and as always, the big mess is going to cause taxpayers a lot of money. Uh, I think you know the only kind of shining light I see in this is it's going to take some. Uh, it's going to finally take the mortgage industry out of the spotlight. Which we've uh, we've paid our penance and, and cleaned up our act as an industry and uh, and and this should you know this should really get people looking where the current problem is and the current problem is with student loans. If you're just tuning in, we're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. You know we look at radio stations far and near to figure out where we're going to be placing this show. So this radio station, your favorite radio station in this market, is a special radio station. A lot of us have been in broadcasting for years and years. And of course, Robert has been an innovator in his business. And so we get together and we were looking at the exact radio stations we wanted to help its listeners save thousands. So we really love this radio station. and We're very proud to be on it. And we look forward to a long lasting relationship with the station and with you. I wanted to talk a little bit about Robert Palmer, his family of companies, and let you get a little bit closer to who we are and what we do. Well, it's all about customer service here. Every area of the Robert Palmer family of companies is based on the absolute best in customer service for you. Let's take RP Funding, for example. From the time that you make the first phone call to the time that you apply for the loan, the loan process going through that, and all the way to closing, you'll be totally in the loop. And along the way, you'll be invited to take brief surveys to grade everyone involved in your financial transaction, even from the receptionist to the licensed mortgage professionals, all the way to the real estate agents and the titling and everybody else. These surveys help us do a lot of things. This determines bonuses, advancement, and operational improvements, all with one thing in mind. And that one thing is you. So when you're thinking about doing business and you think about Robert Palmer, think about the Robert Palmer family of companies. Go to savingthousands.com and see if there's some way that we can possibly further help you. We consider it an honor. We certainly do. Well, Robert, you made a lot of innovations for our customers and for the customer base in the industry of mortgages. But now I've heard in the hallways that you've got your eye on another part of the economy that's kind of got a little stayed and needs a little improvement. So what are we talking about here? So speaking of businesses and, you know, obviously, you know, I've had a lot of success, uh, you know, grew up with a lot, a lot, you know, worked hard did what was right for consumers. I built some pretty successful businesses. Right. Uh, the the next industry I am targeting to personally revolutionize is going to be insurance. You know, I heard a rumble around the office about that the other day, but yeah. there was nothing more than just a rumble. So look what you've done in the mortgage industry in eight, in eight short years. Yep. Kind of the talk of the town and the talk of the industry. So insurance. Insurance. Wow. That's the next. So when I, when I look at industries that have the biggest kind of gap between doing what I think they should be doing and and the reality of how they're run. 
uh, I think insurance is a big one. So I've, I've talked to, I've had a couple conversations with the, the Department of Insurance. I've, I've talked to our lobbying firm to understand uh, what goes into opening an insurance company, not, a, not an agency, right? I'm not, I'm not talking right. about an insurance broker. I'm talking about an insurer, right? Like Geico, State Farm, wow. like where we're, I, RP something, RP insurance or Palmer insurance, whatever I decide to call it, uh, would actually insure your house or your car, right? And, and so- I've got the capital, you know, I've kind of figured out the, the strategy. And so I, I feel like I'm trying to figure out how I want to get into this game, right? So do I do I want to go buy a bunch of little insurance agencies all over Florida and then ban them together, change the practices, change the culture, you know, change the business model, and then, you know, blossom into the insurer? Do I just open the insurer from scratch? Do I partner with the... Because the big thing is I got to be able to put my fingerprints on it, right? Like I'm not just looking to buy insurance companies and let them continue on business as usual, right? Like I'm going to buy an insurance company. I'm going to redesign their processes and culture from the ground up to meet the way I want to do business, right? And I'm going to have everyone tell me it's not going to work, Robert. You can't do it that way. We've never done it that way. What do you mean? You know, I'm going to hear, I'm fine with all that. I'm going to repeat of eight years ago. Exactly. It's it's, 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 it's a song of my life. Yeah, it's fine. And so all the naysayers are going to tell me how I'm crazy. And then all the other insurance companies are going to talk about how I'm going to fail. Like, it's fine. It's, I'm used to it. The first time around, it was tougher. This time around, it's going to be a lot easier. And so that's what I'm looking to get into. So again, I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, so uh, do I, do I, what do you think, Rob? Do I, do I buy existing insurance companies or buy into existing insurance Uh, companies? Do I start from scratch? I guess it would depend on, you know, finding that right insurance company that I could buy that wants to, that wants to, con- that wants to be converted over to my business philosophy. If you right? could find somebody of like mind, the way you found a couple of the executives that are running the the mortgage business, so to speak, right now, and I mean, I love these people because they're teaching me a lot on the days when I can't meet with you. They're teaching me. If you found people that were like minded. Like in a recent uh, company organization meeting we had, everybody had already answered the questions the way you knew they'd answer them. Now, that's pretty cool. But I'm afraid that you did it so right with the mortgage industry. You started very small and built up doing it your way with everybody criticizing you. But even then, they were spreading your name. Right. You know, even then they're saying, who is this guy? The guy's crazy. What's he doing? And it's a very successful business. I like the Robert Palmer stamp. Yep. On anything. If you open an applesauce company, I'd want to see your <laughs> picture on the applesauce can. You know what I'm saying? Because you could revolutionize that business. And you talk about something where the consumer is mad. Oh, yeah. They're mad at these insurance companies. Yeah. And so my part of my plan would be to, one, make it easier to shop around. Right. You know, make nice. it very easy. So what, kind of my thought is, so even, so I would have RP insurance, like, right, where I would be the insurer. Sure. But I would also shop you out to the others. Right. And, and if, if you can get a better deal at someone else, I then I would broker your insurance there, right? If, if I'm the best yeah. deal, and, and I would do that every single year, right? So every year I would re, I would, I would force my staff to reshop all everyone's insurance every single year, right, to find the best deal for our consumers. And then I, I think I would, I would try to make it as easy as possible for people to uh, shop for insurance with us, like as simple as sending a text to our text line, right? And then we uh-huh. can, you know, because I mean, again, I, I really harp on this rule number one: shop around. Uh, insurance is a place where we don't do it, right? Insurance, if we look at this, insurance uh, counts on you not shopping around. Insurance counts on the trick of auto pay, auto debit, to keep you from even looking at it, right? And so you have these people that, oh, I've had the same insurance company for 20 years and they've raised my rates every single year and I've never done anything about it. And so this is what I want to fix. And so what I believe is that if, if I do roll out a better solution for insurance to the entire Saving Thousands radio network, right? We're talking about 70 plus stations, uh, depending on, so this is crazy, Rob. So I've, I've been asking the stations to give me an idea of how many people are listening. And, and, and depending on the week and the temperature or whatever else, it's between half a million and a million people a week uh, that are hearing my voice on the radio, mm-hmm. which is a substantial crowd. And so what I believe is that if I, if I give that half a million to a million people a way, an easier way to shop and get a cheaper insurance, right? Quality insurance, but at a lower price, because we're going to cut out a lot of the same garbage I cut out in the other industries I've revolutionized. Uh, that, that will be very successful and that the consumers will save money. And then I can, once you're in with me, I can force you to shop around every year. I would just do it for you. Rule right? number 14. That's it. Just every year we're going to shop for you. So when you, when you had your insurance with us, we would just automatically every year reshop it and, and reach out to you and say, Hey, so you're currently with, you know, with the RP insurance brand. If we switch you over to Allstate, you could save blah, blah, blah. Do you want to switch? Do you want to stay? What do you think? Let's talk about it. And so basically force people to, to reshop every single year. And so as I, as I go down this, Rob, I guess let's say this. If there's somebody out there listening 
that owns an insurance company, right, mm. that may want to sell or let me buy in or likes kind of where I'm going with this, why don't you send a text to 35353? That's our text line here. Sure. 35353, right? So if you own an insurance company, work for an insurance company, if you kind of like what I'm talking about here, uh, let me know. 35353, shoot me a text. Because this is I'm getting into this industry. You know, ultimately as an insurer, I'll probably get in as an agent uh, so I can start building up the the policy banks and everything before we we launch the actual insurer uh, here in Florida. Uh, but this is this is the next industry I'm going to revolutionize, mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to be big. And I'm going to save people a ton of money, just like I've saved people a ton of money in every other business I've gotten into, and just like I save people a ton of money right here on the radio each and every day. And uh, and the business is going to be built. My my insurance business will be built to mirror the rules. We're going to force oh, you to shop good. around. We're going to force you to know your numbers, right? We're going to to force you to do all these things that are built into the rules uh, because that that's what I believe makes good business. Mm-hmm. If if any business that would take my rules for consumers and use it as a roadmap to build their business would be more successful. There could be somebody out there right now that's an executive with an insurance company that doesn't like the way they're running it. That says, I could do it better if I just had the chance. If they could text you at 35353, you would give them a meeting. 35353 is the text. And just, you know, do you agree that the insurance industry is not doing its job? You know, the the little agent on the street corner are they going through everything they're supposed to be doing for the consumer? See, and the problem is that the, the, I don't blame the agent because the deck is stacked yeah, against the agent. It is, you totally. know, the, the big insurers have these agents under their thumb, right? And Amen. and when you look at, at what the agent makes, you know, so the agent's trying to run an entire business on like 10 to 12% of the, you know, of, of the, the policy. True. And they've got to have their own office space. There's all this duplication. Again, it's a lot like the mortgage broker to mortgage lender. I mean, there's a lot of parallels between the mortgage industry and the insurance industry. Uh, the little agents are doing the best they can, mm-hmm. but the deck is stacked against them in a lot of ways. Uh, they don't have the volume, the scale, you know, that you can do different things when you're, when you're statewide and you have tens or hundreds of thousands of policies, you know, or millions of policies yeah. than if you have a couple thousand policies and, and those, those economies of scale. But then you've got the big insurance companies who are just are greedy, right? You know, and, and they, they're, they're not going to, I mean, they're never going to encourage anybody to shop around. I mean, no that, that's where their profits come from. But I honestly believe, Rob, I, I've, I've looked at this business long and hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not a, a jump in there kind of guy, nope. you know, and, and I've looked at it long and hard and I do believe it can be done differently. I do believe it can be done better. And that is my next mission in life. That's the next industry that I'm going to revolutionize. And so you know, phase one is probably to go and buy into or buy some insurance agents and band them together and put my resources behind them to, to phase one of trying to take this thing in the right direction. Uh, and then uh, over time, uh, turn into exactly what my vision is, mm-hmm. you know, which, which again, is everything I talk about here on the radio basically being done for you by an insurance company, the same way we do it in the other businesses that, that I control. So uh, that's it. Three five three five three. That's the text line. If if you're in the insurance business, if you own an insurance company, shoot me a text. Uh, you know, and uh, let's talk. Three five three five three. This is uh, this is my next uh, my next way to to follow rule number uh, thirteen. There. Well, Robert, people are answering the call. I was in the lobby of RP Funding the other day, and there was a very nice gentleman that was approaching the receptionist, and I caught his eye, and he says, "Oh, you're the guy on the radio show and the TV shows with Robert Palmer." I said, "Yeah, I love what I do," and he said, "Well." I was in the insurance business my entire life. And if Robert can use any of my expertise or he just wants to sit down and talk to me about the great world of insurance and things that should be going on in the insurance world, I'd be more than happy to. So he gave me his information and I'll pass it along to you right after we record today's show. You know, folks, we have some great, great tools for you. One, of course, as I mentioned, is this show. Earlier, I mentioned the Saving Thousands radio app for your smartphone. But I also want you to know that if you go to savingthousands.com, that's saving thousands, you have to spell out the word thousands, savingthousands.com, you're going to find a variety of super tools. One of them is our radio show archive. We've got about 400 hours of radio shows and info modules for you to choose from, and they, they're just easy to follow, they're fun to listen to, and you're going to learn a lot. And at the end of the day, you'll see how you could have more money in your pocket at the end of the day, the week, and the month. It's that simple. Now, the shows that are trending right now, the number one show that you're playing back on demand is taking control of your credit score. Number two, putting your credit cards to work for your financial benefit. The various types of home loans and the loan process comes in third. Fourth, if you're confused about refinance, listen to this show. Fifth, ways to save on your mortgage house payment. 
without getting a refi. The next one is explaining the entire mortgage process step-by-step so you will not be intimidated. It's a really fun show and it's very easy. And finally, how to take control of the closing session. Well, Robert, they need to listen to those shows and more. Whatever category they want, they'll find it on savingthousands.com. But right now, what's on your mind? Let's uh, Moving on, let's do a quick rundown of the rules. Maybe we've got some new listeners here. Uh, we'll do a, a quick rundown here. Okay. Uh, and I think uh, those of you who have been listening will see how many of the financial ninja rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network would have helped uh, and would help if someone finds themselves uh, in this situation. So rule number one, obviously my favorite, obviously the most important. That's why it's rule number one. Uh, is to always shop around. And uh, again, shopping around for your college education. See, we didn't have to think this way, Rob. You didn't have to shop. You know, most people used to go to a state university and it was a nonprofit and tuition was the same everywhere. And you made the decision purely based on, uh, you know, what school had a better degree program or maybe what football team you liked, right, right, wrong or indifferent. There was no real financial decision to be made because, you know, the, the state colleges were all pretty much the same. You know, then obviously the Ivy League colleges were more expensive and people may weigh that. Uh, but then you have the new nonprofits show up and, and they're more expensive than the Ivy League. So shopping around, I think most people would recognize that the online degree from from a, a bad actor uh, like a Corinthian is is no better than a, a, a you know, and probably worse than a local community college degree. And the community college is, is like one tenth of the price. I mean, it, it's much, much more affordable. Shopping around could have helped there. Rule number two, know your numbers, know your credit score, know your home value, know your balances, know your interest rates. Uh, you know, th- Don't become a victim of identity theft. Monitor your credit report. Know your credit card purchases and balance. Uh, you know, Look at the PDF of the statement. Understand how much money you are truly paying in interest every month. Understand what your balances are. Uh, if you monitor your balances from month to month, then you can understand whether or not they're actually going down. Right? The whole If the whole idea is to pay off your debt, you have to understand what the balance was last month to know that the balance this month is lower or higher, and are you moving in the right direction? That's rule number two. Rule number three, the three-day rule, three-day waiting period on large purchases or new debts. Again, someone who was contacted by a for-profit college. Uh, I use this a lot in the early days of starting my company, whether it was copy machine salesman or or phone system salesman or whatever it was. Uh, I would always wait three days. I would always self-impose a three-day cooling-off period, a three-day waiting period before signing any debt uh, or making any decision on a large purchase. Uh, rule number four, don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. Uh, I still have people out there who who are afraid of having credit cards, who think that, that credit having credit cards is an automatic path to financial ruin. Uh, it is not. Uh, you know, just like guns don't kill people, keep people kill people. Uh, credit cards are not uh, the, the road to financial ruin. Uh, misuse of credit cards is the road to financial ruin. And, and there are a lot of people like myself who are able to use credit cards very effectively uh, and this is the financial ninja way, very effectively to rack up points, to rack up vacations, to rack up discounts, to rack up you know down payment on a new vehicle. There's all these wonderful things you can use the credit cards to take advantage of the banks, to take advantage of the credit card issuers, and shift the power back to us as consumers. This is how we do it as financial ninjas. We are not going to abuse the credit. We are not going to let the credit ruin us financially. We are not going to live beyond our means. We are not going to buy things we cannot afford. Uh, but we are going to take full advantage of the benefits that credit cards offer when it comes to fraud protections, uh, when it comes to racking up points and getting perks and benefits. We're just not going to pay any interest because we're going to pay those cards off on time, every time, before the end of the grace period. All right, that's rule number four. Rule number five, if you know their tricks, they won't work. Uh, again, just the the, the simple uh, explanations I've given this morning on for-profit colleges Uh, may save the next person from falling victim to that, right? If you know the tricks, if you understand that part of their trick is to keep you on the phone until you commit, that that free laptop or iPad they're going to give you is going to cost you $100,000 in the long run by the time you pay interest and repay the loan. If you know the trick that they want to hide your credit card statement from you by having you go to online banking so you don't see the interest calculations and you don't see the interest rates, if you know all these tricks, they don't work anymore, you know, when I was a kid, I remember seeing my first card trick, and I was amazed. This this friend of mine did a card trick where he guessed my card, uh, and, and as soon as he explained to me how he did it, it seemed like the stupidest thing ever. But until <laughs> I knew the trick, right? As soon as I knew the trick, it was so obvious, and I felt like an idiot. But right up until I knew the trick, it, it, it was working. It seemed like magic. And as soon as I knew the trick, it didn't work anymore. And so one of the main purposes of the show is to expose these tricks uh, so that you know them, because rule number five is if you know their tricks, they won't work. Uh, rule number six, spread your knowledge, educate friends and family. Uh, if you know someone, again, uh, there are people out there right now who are entitled to these refunds on this Corinthian deal. 
Uh, there are people out there who may be about to be taken advantage of by a for-profit college. You've got to spread your knowledge, right? So I, I am now sharing this with 200 or 250,000 listeners out there across my 42-station network. Uh, but I need you to now tell two or three people. I need you to tell your friends and family. I need you to spread your knowledge. I need you to educate your friends and family. It's the only way as a society we can fight back. We can stop being financial zombies. We can stop meandering around, bouncing off of chain link fences, not making decisions when it comes to our, our financial future, when it comes to financial literacy, when it comes to understanding credit cards, credit scores, interest, uh, all the things that are so important in our lives. So I need all of you I need all of you out there, my Saving Thousands Army, to spread this knowledge, to educate your friends and family, and to bring them up to speed because that's how we all become more empowered as consumers, and that's how we fight back against the big financial services companies and the crooked for-profit colleges and everybody out there who's trying to get rich by taking advantage of us as a whole. We're not going to stand for it, but we've got to spread our knowledge, rule number six. Rule number seven, own real estate, sooner, not later. This is, to me, the biggest downside and the biggest pitfall. People who fell victim to the student loan uh, trap and the student loan frauds is that it will impact their ability to own real estate. Mm -hmm. It will impact their ability to be a homeowner. It will prevent them from being able to own a home and start accumulating equity and accumulating wealth, right, and, and building up to something and building massive amounts of wealth. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't have a solution for it. We're going to try to put one together. We're going to try to figure out some type of relief. Uh, but one of the one of the big problems this is going to cause is that student loan debt, that high amount of student loan debt that we have seen uh, build out there is going to prevent people from owning real estate. Yesterday, we talked about the $1.2 billion uh, equity fund uh, that J.P. Morgan put together to to invest in rental properties, right, through a, a big rental property conglomerate. Uh, they understand the wealth being created by owning property. Uh, and they want to take advantage of the fact that a lot of us can't buy houses. A lot of us can't be property owners. A lot of us can't be homeowners because we're saddled with student loan debt or because we haven't taken care of our credit scores and our bills in the past, or we're just afraid, right? And the fear is the worst one, Rob, because it's so easy to be corrected. Uh, there's no need to be afraid. Pick up the phone, uh, call us, call someone, see if you can get approved for a home loan and go out and buy a house. Rule number seven, own real estate sooner, not later. Rule number eight, practice what you learn and always learn more. Uh, this is one of my favorites, Rob. If you're not going to pay attention or if you're not going to put to use the things I'm telling you, uh, you might as well be listening to Britney Spears on the pop station uh, a few turns of the dial over. Uh, if you're going to spend your days here with me, if you're going to spend an hour a day listening to me talk and empower you with these rules and empower you with this knowledge, you've got to put it to use. You've got to practice what you learn, and you've got to always be willing to learn more. Even I myself don't think I know it all. I can always learn from others. I can always learn something. I learn something new every day. And that's my goal is to learn something new every day and to put into practice these rules, to put into practice the things I learn so that I can be a more empowered consumer and I can help empower other consumers. Uh, number nine, share your successes. So this is different. We talked about sharing your knowledge, but it's also very important that you share your successes, right? So when you're able to save money, when you're able to avoid a scam, when you're able to make a good decision, you know, say you, uh, you're called by one of these for-profit colleges and because you shop around and use the three-day rule, you end up going to community college because it's one-tenth the cost for the same quality, if not a better quality of education. You've got to share that success with your friends, right? Uh, they will listen to you on the knowledge piece a little. They will listen to you on the success piece a lot. So if you find yourself saving money, if you find yourself fighting back, if you find a trick and you avoid it, that is a success. And rule number nine is you've got to share your successes. Rule number 10, uh, I want you to have a savings account equal to your last three months of gross pay, right? Last three months of gross pay. This number is constantly changing. As you're getting raises, it's going up. As you're working more overtime, it's going up. This is the only way to truly prepare yourself for the possible bumps and hiccups down the road. Uh, to be a financial ninja, we are never going to find ourselves in a situation where we are desperate for money and have to rely on debt. And if we have a savings account with our last three months of gross pay right there sitting there waiting for us, uh, we can avoid those situations. We can be empowered. Rule number 11, we're not going to gamble with the essentials. Okay, What are the essentials? The essentials are our retirement accounts. The essentials are that savings account we just talked about. We're not going to bet it all on some hot stock tip that we got from our buddy. We're not going to sink it into Apple stock because we think it's going to go up when it's had a rough and rocky ride and people have definitely lost money there. Uh, we're also not going to gamble with our home if we are buying a home. If we're following rule number seven and we're going to own real estate, we are not going to gamble with our rate lock. Rob, we have seen rates go up considerably in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, all the people who didn't lock their rate in, who let the mortgage broker and mortgage guy talk them out of the rate lock, oh, float the rate. I got a feeling things are going to get better. <laughs> uh, all those people are now staring down significantly higher payments. And in some cases, it can actually cost you your ability to buy the home at all. If interest rates move up too high, 
and you didn't lock your rate in, you may no longer qualify to buy that home. And I don't want anyone to find themselves in a situation where they've they've committed to buying a house, they've gotten under contract on a house, they've told their friends and family and shown the kids and shown the wife or shown the husband, uh, made plans to change schools and change banks and everything else. And then a week before closing, you find out that you didn't lock your rate in. The rate is now considerably higher. And now you find that you don't qualify. So we do not gamble with the essentials. This is retirement accounts, savings accounts, interest rate locks. Don't gamble with the essentials. There are certain things in life we just absolutely have to play it safe with. That's rule number 11. Rule number 12 is we're going to check references. We're going to use Google uh, or whatever your preferred search engine is. And we're going to put in the name of a company that we're considering doing business with, followed by the word scam. We're going to put in the name of that company, followed by the word reviews. We're going to put in that company, followed by the, the letters BBB or Better Business Bureau. So we can check out their Better Business Bureau rating uh, and see if they're an accredited business we're also going to put in the name of that company followed by the word complaints. We're going to look at this information. We're going to process this information, and we're going to make better decisions as consumers, the rule number 12. And then finally, rule number 13, if you own or run a business, I want you to be transparent with your consumers. Uh, I did it in my business. I've been wildly successful because of it. When you put consumers first, you can succeed. You can win. Uh, don't listen to all the hype. Don't let the, the greed, don't let examples like Corinthian, just because they brought in $3.5 billion dollars, uh, by taking advantage of people with student loans. Don't let that let you sway from the cause. You can build a better business and a long-term sustainable business if you put your customer first and you are transparent with your customer. And this is going to be the subject of my upcoming book, Rob, which I'm going to release later this year. Well, folks, be watching SavingThousands.com. That's SavingThousands.com. And listening to future radio broadcasts for your way to get a hold of that book. And Robert's also working on two additional books after that. So, Keep your ear to the radio. Keep watching the SavingThousands.com website, and you'll be offered, uh, you know, first chance at those books because you'll want to read up. You, by now, you've got to know that Robert Palmer has no hidden agenda. It's all about taking the success that he's had in business and giving back, paying it forward, if you will, by letting you be a much more informed consumer. And you never know. You might become so empowered that that 500 credit score is going to shoot up to an 850, whatever it might be. You might decide that you want to not only buy a home, but buy a second home and a vacation home. And an empowered consumer can do that. Now, granted, if you've got a 580 to 600 credit score, you can still get a mortgage, but you're going to get a lot better deal and a lot better interest rate when your scores get higher and higher. And Robert wants to help everybody do that. And everybody can do that. This isn't something that's complicated. It's just something we've never taught. You know, it amazes us here at Saving Thousands. We talk about it all the time. We talk about the fact that from kindergarten all the way through college, graduate school, master's, whatever it might be, we're training people how to make money. But somewhere along the line, we stop the educational process short. We should be explaining to people all during that process, with every dollar you make, here's how that dollar can work for you. We simply drop the ball as a society, and maybe we'll pick up and do better, okay? Let's hope we do. Let's hope that you'll start getting your kids involved in dollars and cents. And you'll explain to them that a purchase isn't as simple as just swiping a credit card through, through a machine. The kids need to know where money comes from and how you handle your money. They will be a shining example. Well, Robert, I know that the pre-approvals when people apply for a mortgage come in various strengths. And some of these pre-approvals aren't worth the paper they're written on. Kind of walk us down that path. Yeah, I think the, the most important thing you want to have happen is if the seller does call your lender and say, hey, I, I got this pre-approval letter, can you talk to me about it? What have you looked at? What have you not looked at? Have you seen their pay stubs? Have you seen their W-2s? Have you seen their tax returns? You want us to be able to say yes to that, you know? Yeah. And then even further, when, when we can say, you know, and in fact, this loan's actually been looked at by our validation team, which is part of our underwriting department. So you've got two sets of eyes. Not only did it pass through all of RP's crazy checks and balances <laughs> with the automated system, but it's actually been looked at by a second set of eyes. And that's that's the message. That's the message that's going to make it as absolutely strong as possible uh, for that person to feel like that, that you really do qualify, mm -hmm. that you've got the best possible chance of, of getting in there and, and best possible chance of closing on the home. Because the last thing anybody wants to have happen on the buyer's side or the seller's side, the real estate agents, the title company, nobody wants that deal to get denied right before closing but it happened. I mean, for some lenders, it happens like one out of four. They're, they're denying 25% of their loans right before closing because they just don't have the right oversight in place on the front end. And it's just, it's amazing. And, and you know, I, I've told so many of my counterparts at Mortgage Bankers events, you know, like I'm going to New York in a, in a couple of weeks for the, yeah. the National Mortgage National Secondary Mortgage Bankers Conference. You know, I'm pretty involved. I go to the, the, Florida, the Florida Mortgage Banker Association stuff and I, I tell them, 
about what we're doing. And they look at me like like I have six eyeballs and, and my nose is gone. Like mm-hmm. I get this crazy look like, you're spending money to validate your pre-approvals? Are you insane? Isn't that coming out of your profit? How could you give up profit, Robert? I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like, you should know me by now that I'm really not worried about the profit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm worried about doing a great job and having a great reputation. And, and I, I tell them, I say, look, I thought the same thing. But now that we've been doing it for four or five years, it works really well. And, and it, it hasn't cost me money. It actually has saved me money. You guys should do it too. And they kind of scoff at me and, and go oh, yeah. off and do mortgage banker things without me. Like I, then, okay. I, then I don't get invited to the party, right? Like, then, like what, Robert, we, we were all feeling very ill. We're going home yeah, now. And then, I, then they all go to the bar and drink without me. I'm like, you jerks. <laughs> but, you know, you think, jerks. think of the strength of the home buyer. Now the couple knows that they've got the money waiting for them to get that house. How many people worry about that during the home, home buying process? Are we really going to get the loan? Are we really going to get the loan? And they lay awake nights. But once they get a validated pre-approval, that's real solid money. That's it. I mean, that's it's it. like having the check in your pocket. And I would tell you, until the mortgage company has seen your tax returns and your W-2s mm-hmm. and your pay stubs and your bank statements, you should be nervous. So if you haven't given any of that stuff to the mortgage company yet, be very, very nervous. Because how in how do they possibly know you qualify <laughs> when they haven't seen your pay stubs, your W-2s? You know, that's my, Robert, the other guy gave me the pre-approval without any of this stuff. Well, then that pre-approval is worthless. Mm-hmm. I'll be quite honest with you. That pre-approval is absolutely worthless because if they're not looking at your documentation, if they're not looking at your pay stubs, your W-2s, your bank statements, your tax, I mean, they are going to ask you for all this stuff at some point in the transaction. Eventually. Again, 99% of all conforming loans, all loans under 417000 are going to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Ginnie Mae for securitization, and they all require these documents, okay? <laughs> On top of that, the Dodd-Frank law, which was passed, there is a section called ATR, Ability to Repay, is what ATR stands for. All right, in that section, we have to, as lenders, look at this stuff. Thank you, Robert Palmer, and you've done it again. We have wrapped up an entire hour. But before we get away, I do want to remind everybody about that Home Value Hotline. The Home Value Hotline at 866-222-8231, 866-222-8231 is your advanced way to get the real precise evaluation of your home. You know how it works? Well, it works like this. Unlike those computer farms that Zillow and some of these other people use, unlike those guys, the Home Value Hotline gives you a valuation of your home determined by real estate professionals who practice their trade right here in your neighborhood. They're the ones that are setting the prices. They're the ones that are seeing what homes like yours are selling for. You see, the big computer farms simply go by square footage, buying trends, and things like that. They don't know your exact situation. They don't know the school district you're in, for instance. They don't know if you're near the new beltway that's going in or if you're near an area that's going to be just exploding with economy in the next few years. They only know what the data is from two or three months ago by the time it gets to them, and they'll give you a pretty good neighborhood evaluation, but the Home Value Hotline gives you one that's so much closer because real estate professionals without obligation have agreed to work with Robert Palmer and the Saving Thousands folks to give you that determination. So for you to plug in to the Home Value Hotline, just simply call 866-222-8231, 866-222-8231, or text 35353, or go to the all-new Home Value Hotline section of savingthousands.com. That's going to wrap it up. We'll see you next time as we all save thousands with Robert Palmer.